Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. So I am so excited to have you here. Before we dive in, can you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? All right, so I have the most unoriginal. Uh, I live in Texas, in Fort Worth, Texas. My name is Theata Brooks. Um, I go sometimes by Wozni Brooks, trying to retain my, you know, maiden name, but um, by Brooks. And I live in Fort Worth, Texas. And my private practice name is actually Theata Brooks, SLP, PLLC. <laughs> That's totally fine. That is so much easier because probably you just got started without having to. Sometimes people wait and wait and wait for this amazingly perfect name to come to them and they never start their private practice. And I started and I never became a PLC until a year after I started my practice. So um, it was, um, you know, I'm very indecisive. So I just decided to be very decisive this year. So that was my New Year's resolution. So when I went for the PLC, I said, you know what? It is what it is. And it's just me. And for now, that's all I plan for this to be. So why not just stick with my name, which in itself is quite original. So there you I go. feel like I needed to, for now, um, have a name. That's perfect. That's perfect. So anyone who's listening who has not come up with their name yet, their really fancy whatever name, just go with your own name and you can always change it later. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, perfect. So before we learn about what your private practice is like now, can you take us back to, you know, like the beginning of your career as a speech pathologist and what kind of things were you into? Maybe what setting were you working in before you started on your private practice journey? Um, so I guess I'll have to say, well, first of all, I grew up in Canada and I came to Texas to do my graduate work um, because my cousin lived here. So that was the reason why I never intended to stay here. I was planning to actually got accepted to University of Alberta. I was going to go pursue my PhD. And then um, I just um, met somebody wonderful, not my current husband, but I met somebody wonderful and I stayed here. 
And when I was in graduate school, I, I, I loved it. I, I felt like I found my niche. Um, you know, I was a communication studies major with actually media. I wanted to be a music publicist. Um, so I loved working with people and I thought I was going to work with adults. Like I was so convinced. And then the clinicals happened and I loved kids. So ever since I graduated, I was actually first a speech assistant while I was in graduate school. And that was in schools. And once I graduated, I was hired by a contract agency. Well, I'm Canadian, so I needed somebody to sponsor me. And I ended up in schools. But then I got this wonderful contact for a local speech pathologist who would hire CF. And I started doing home visits. So ever since I graduated, that's what I always did on the side. And that took me anywhere from doing early intervention to then working for a local hospital doing um, home health. But all along for about, for about six years, I stayed in schools because I kept it safe, right? That was guaranteed income. Um, it was not scary. I knew I knew where my money was coming. I did not have to worry about cancellations. And if my after school kids canceled, so what? That was extra income. <laughs> and um, so doing that, working in schools, uh, I really enjoyed it until I got really burnt out. Mm -hmm. um, and right before having my first child, I actually just decided to, you know, I'm going to go the home health route. Mm -hmm. And I ended up working for, it's interesting, for two pregnancies, I worked for the same home health agency and I loved them. I learned so much um, working in uh, individuals' homes and working with different um, uh, speech, uh, speech pathologists, occupational therapists, physical therapists, um, and I did a lot of feeding, and I fell in love with just this holistic approach to being in the household and being able to also continue working with doctors because I believe in collaborative work, mm -hmm. but being able to have more control. Yeah. And then after I had my, um, so that that was my life. I was that multitasker. I would call myself a workhorse. Um, yeah. um, my background. Well, it sounds like it. You were you were a busy woman. <laughs> Very busy. I enjoyed that lifestyle. Working till seven was the norm yeah. prior to having kids. Um, and my husband would tell you, he's like, I just loved it. I would get home, go work out, and then go back on the road again the next morning. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, to me, I had so much so much experience. I loved it all, but. Once I started having kids, I realized that um, I, I knew the type of mother I wanted to be. I wanted to be at home. I wanted to be present. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the lifestyle of leaving the house at 7.30 and being home by 8 just was not feasible if I wanted to be a good mother. Mm -hmm. Or in my eyes, what meant to be a good mother. Um, because I have a lot of mothers who, friends who continue to do that, and that's what they choose to do. But for me, I want to be at home. So then I actually, my husband stayed at home with our first um, daughter and um, for almost two years. So I continued working for the agency. I loved it. Um, and then we got pregnant with the second. And one was okay. And she was in school already. Everything was going well. And then you have this like epiphany, like, oh my gosh, she's two and a half. This is wonderful. Why am I going to have a second? Um, and obviously we always want to have two, but um, after we had him, I just knew my heart told me like, you are not going to go back to work full time. You're not, you're not. So even before I came back from my maternity leave, I gave him my resignation and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. 
I um, had subcontracted for early intervention program here in Texas. And I just told myself that's what I was going to continue to do and just see where um, that would lead me. Nice. And one referral after another, I dove in and now 13 clients later, I'm in private practice. So I love that. So that that's so important. You brought up something really, I thought touching and something that I think will resonate with a lot of the listeners is that you had this, this plan. And when you, you know, when you became a mother, I also am a mother of two, um, your priorities kind of shift and you try to think about, well, how can I, um, not only provide for, you know, these kids and my family and everything else, but how can I be present for them in the best way possible, right? So I think that that was really wonderful that you started to shift your priorities and your work schedule around doing what you wanted to do, right? Because we can all decide what we want to do for ourselves and our families. But I just really liked how you articulated that. Well, thank you. And and like I said, I, you know, my parents, I come from a very hardworking family where my parents were two, three jobs, being a child of an immigrant. And, um, I just kind of knew early on what I wanted, what I did not want. And I mean, I'm fortunate because my husband will change diapers. He will put the kids to bed. You know, like he, he sometimes deals better with them than I do. <laughs> so I am very fortunate that I have a partner that 100% puts in every effort that a mother would put in. So I feel like we're equally um, contributing to this family household and as a result I feel like very, I'm very very supported in the decisions that I make yeah. and um, it was very easy to make that decision to transition but having said that my husband did lose his job when we um, had my first child so that was the decision for him to stay because <clears throat> in the end I love what I do and I cannot picture myself doing anything else and I have to admit that I was losing the love and passion for the profession yeah. um, after having to be the only sole provider for a family for two years. And when I realized if I wanted to regain it, I needed to take control of what I was doing or in this profession. And I think that was also the driving force, aside from my sister making me listen to all the self-help books, but <laughs> that was the driving force. Um, uh, of wanting to go into private practice to my, for myself. Yeah. I think that that's also really, really important is to really think about making sure that you're maintaining your passion for the field. I hear that also all the time where people say that, you know, I love this profession, but I don't love my job. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of people start thinking about private practice. Unfortunately, it's once they start feeling stuck and they know that they have to make a change if they're going to continue in this profession, which again, most people love. I love being a speech pathologist. Most people love this, this field that we have so luckily found in our lives, but we wanna do it to our best capacity so that we can truly have that impact on our clients. So related to that, who are your favorite types of clients and what kind of clients do you mostly work with now? Um, so uh, if, Anybody ever asks me, uh, the most difficult, the, the more difficult the child, the more excited about I am to work with that child. It's not that I will pass up on the easy, oh, just developmental, you know, early intervention, late talker, yeah. but I love challenging cases. Um, there's something about that deductive uh, thinking and trying to just 
crack it open and try, trying to figure out like, what is it? Is it genetics? Is it behavioral? Is it something else? So to me, at this point in private practice, I haven't received as many referrals for this very typical, like I have a couple of my caseload, but um, in early intervention, I, I have dealt with cases that were more difficult and involved. And I've just always been, I would say most of my friends would say in, in the field is that I'm just not afraid. Um, whatever comes my way, I will find a way to treat that child. I always seek out the professionals that I know are wonderful in, let's say, fluency. It's on my strength, but I know people who know people, and I will read the books. I will go to trainings. So as a result, I'm, I haven't necessarily found my niche, per se, treatment-wise or diagnosis-wise, but to me, I, I'm driven towards the younger, early intervention, I would say. So birth to about five is my all-time favorite. But if you were to ask me when I was a teenager or even an early career, I would have never told you that that was going to be the route that was going to go. Um, it's just so wonderful. And having my own kids, um, sometimes I look back at the recommendations I've made to my clients in the past and I say, oh my gosh, you were crazy <laughs> expecting things from families. Um, but I think my definitely like strength and drive is in, in helping my families. And I love bringing that to the table and, and letting them know that because I've worked in so many different areas prior to this mm -hmm. um, private practice is that I'm pretty, that's my strength. I'm pretty resourceful yeah. um, in, in the outreach and community aspects of what, what my families might need. I think that you, you brought up another good point, which is that now that you're a mom yourself, your recommendations have changed. I know that my wife also, my, she does um, early intervention. She's a physical therapist. And she says that all the time, like before we had kids, she would tell parents like, do this, do this, you know, do this. And was a little bit, um, you know, just like, I don't know, critical when parents couldn't follow through with her recommendations. And then once having kids was like, oh my gosh, like there's no way they could have done that. <laughs> right. So we, we, we learn those kind of lessons sometimes over time. And it sounds like, you know, you don't have to have a niche, right? You don't have to narrow if you don't want to, but it sounds like you have, a, you know, a more of a passion for kids under age five. So I think that's fabulous, but you can see your fluency kids or you can see whoever you want to. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. And I mean, I, I'm inspired and I admire uh, therapists who are on the Facebook page and, and say, you know, I only serve as this or like I only do AAC and I, I always like this is fantastic but knowing myself I think that's what it was too like I did so much self-discovery and thought about what is it I love and I just love it all so why not just do it all I mean it, there's no nothing wrong with not being a specialist I'm specialist at doing it all <laughs> and that's fine but it came it, it, it took time to come to terms with that like I accept myself as a therapist as I am I'm not trying to be like another therapist that are out there and I respect what they do, but it's just not me and that's fine. Yeah, that's perfect. So you just keep on keeping on with what you want to do. And I think that's fabulous. So I think that you mentioned that you have about 16 on your caseload right now. Um, where, where do you get most of your referrals? I would say I'm very spoiled. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say right up. Um, I, like I said, I have no flyers, no advertisement uh, marketing at the moment. Um, what happened was, um, I'll, so I started communicating with my friends that this is what I intended to do. And it just so happens that we have um, quite a 
community of moms that have a Facebook page. And just from time to time, these moms will like just ask, oh, I'm looking for a speech pathologist. And really it wasn't just like advertising myself. I would just come back and say, these are your options in the community. And by the way, I could be one of your options. Um, so most of my referrals really come from the Facebook local page. Mm -hmm. um, I would say at this point, 70 to 80% have come to, from there. Um, and about 20% have come from either an old colleague that would refer out to me or just the now families that have served um, are referring me out to um, the other families or from other mom, local moms. So I've been very fortunate in that so far. Those have been my referral um, uh, sources. Nice. Yeah, Facebook groups are are great. Like the local moms, parents Facebook groups mm -hmm. are fabulous because people love to share when they've had a good experience with somebody, right? And people okay. also, they love to support local businesses and we count as local businesses. So people really want to support moms and professionals in the community. And it, that's free, right? And that starts to get that word of mouth. And it sounds like the way that you're talking about, you know, services in the group is the kind of way that's not going to get you kicked out of the group, right? People yes. are, are saying that they need help. They, you know, does anyone know a speech pathologist? And you're able to, first of all, be helpful and say, these are your options in the community. And absolutely listing yourself as one of those options is the perfect way to do it. D definitely and I have to say it helps that my friends are also on there so whenever I miss perhaps a post uh, they're very sure to to tag me on it and I can get back to the families but I mean it, it's not always pretty I mean my, I would say like my husband listens to it all I'm like ah oh, I sent this information to his mom and she never got back to me or all of a sudden she told me she went somewhere else and you know I just come to swallow my pride and say it's okay and really through, you know, we, we, you and I were talking about it, you know, I, I, we've been reading a lot of books and really I'm a believer in the universe. If things are meant to happen, the universe will bring it to you. But if it's not meant to happen, just let it go. Yeah. It, it, and I've learned that. I've, it's, it's taken me a year now in private practice to realize that if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be and it's okay. But I'm still allowed to be not happy about it. <laughs> Absolutely. But hopefully the universe will get you back in a good way later on. I love it. So you've mentioned a couple times um, books and resources and stuff like that. What are, what are like one or two books that you feel that you've read, whether they're business books or like more self-help books that have made a difference to you and that you might recommend that other people check out? Well, I first have to plug in my sister. She's six years younger than I am and runs her own hairstyling business. And she is amazing. Um, she is my rock. We're the best of friends. And I have to say that I, I was falling apart. I, I, I had two kids, I, I, lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of plugging away at this. And I just couldn't, I, I don't know, I just couldn't, I, could, I felt like I didn't know where I was going. I'm like, okay, I'm getting these clients, but where do I see myself in the next few years? And my sister said, well, here's my Audible account. Listen to, you're a badass, right? You're a badass, you're a badass live, I'm making money. And I started listening to these books. And, um, and then I started listening to the Gold Digger podcast. And this is all because of my sister. I, I 
six years younger than I am. And I think her brain was not clouded by lack of sleep. And yeah. she just knew, she was listening to me and she said, you, you, you got this, but something's missing. And as a result, because of her, I started listening because I have no time for reading, but I have time to listen on the road. Yeah. So I started listening to a lot of those books. Uh, you know, You're a Badass and Making Money was probably the big push. Yeah. Uh, it made me feel like, okay, like I am doing the right thing. Why am I doubting myself? Mm -hmm. um, you know, why am I having those limiting beliefs? Yeah. And um, I started working through just, you know, without having to see a psychiatrist or anything like that or psychology, but I started working through how my background as an, you know, as an immigrant or even my parents being immigrants, that I realized how much of that was limiting me of how my parents themselves viewed money and they made me think about money. How I always felt guilty about having to charge X amount of money for therapy because oh, I'm supposed to be helping people. But then again, I'm also putting food on the table for my own family and kids. And I needed to put self-value in what I do and schooling that I have. Um, so I felt like that and now reading, you know, Girl Stop Apologizing, um, definitely um, I'm really into this like, I'm my own boss and just, I can do it. Uh, yes, the, the love is there, but there's so much more books to read. So there, many more. There's plenty more books to read. I think that as long as, long as we implement what we read though, right? So um, for anyone who hasn't heard about the, um, Jen, Jen Sincero is the name. I'm not sure if I'm saying her name correctly, but um, Jen Sincero is the author of the badass, I guess, book series. She's written three. Mm -hmm. Um, the first one's just called You Are a Badass, then there's You Are a Badass at Making Money, um, and then You Are a Badass Every Day is the one that she just came out with, and then Rachel Hollis, um, Girl Wash Your Face and Girl Stop Apologizing have also just really taken, you know, what you, what you've said, just, I don't know if really it's like if girl power is the right thing, but it's just about thinking about, you know, that you are a worthy human being of making decisions for yourself and of being rewarded for those decisions, both in your life and yes, also financially. And, you know, we, we don't have to apologize and feel guilty about that when we are bringing value to our clients and their families and to anyone that we consult with or whatever else. Like we are worth what we are doing and we are worth charging for that. And so if anyone needed to hear that reminder, there's your reminder um, from us <laughs> about that. You can check out those books too. <laughs> I love it. I don't read anymore because I have two kids, but I still listen. So I yeah, tell listen. Them, don't excuse for you not to read, uh, read per se these books or, or, or um, uh, take advantage of the lessons that they have to teach us. For sure. What, what does the future hold for your practice? Are you looking to stay about where you are now, mostly like replacing clients as they come and go? Or are you thinking about growing bigger? No right or wrong answers here. Well, so right before the holidays, um, Christmas, um, I was talking to my husband and said, you know, for two years when I was a contractor, I did just evaluations out of school district. And I did love that aspect of our job. And I said it to him and uh, ended up going to, and this was after I read You're a Badass Making Money. And I thought, you know, your universe has your back, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I kept on thinking about it a lot. I'm like, this is like a missing piece. I would love to be able to maybe contract with somebody or, or just do just assessment and um, but continue seeing my private clients because I, I do love 
some therapy too. And I ended up going to a baby shower, a baby reveal party actually. And a call, well, not even a colleague, this is a friend of a friend who went from being a special education teacher to a diagnostician, because we have that in Texas, mm-hmm. said, what are you doing during the weekdays? And I said, well, I'm my own private practice three times a week while kids are still kind of growing up. And she said, I want you to help us out with the district. And I said, so what, what does Jen say? You say yes. And I said, yes. I went home that day and my husband and I said, I just said yes to something, but I'm not sure I can do it. I'm like, how am I going to figure this out? Because on top of also growing my own private practice, I forgot to mention, I teach at my daughter's Spanish speaking school, English. Um, So I'm like, how am I going to fit this? So as of about February of this year, um, I added that to my plate of private practice um, that I do, which is I became a contractor for a local school district being part of the autism team and I would say on top of running my private practice that was like my second thing I wanted to get done and it happened um so once again I'm a believer in taking it slow and I set my limits with the director I told her what I can do what I can't do till the end of the school year because I also believe in carrying out your commitments so I'm teaching at my daughter's school I will see this commitment through and um, our goal is with our 18-month-old now, he's going to go to school a little bit more next year. Um, so now the goal is to grow this practice, whether it be assess- doing more assessments but, or therapy, and growing it to me being able to work at least four, almost five days a week. So that's my, that's my goal. For next year, I would just like to have enough work to get me from four to five days a week. And I don't even have a number of how much money I would like to make. Right now, I love being busy and it keeps me busy, but I'm spoiled because my husband has a wonderful job that allows me to think that way. Um, yeah, so my, my goal is to grow in the amount of hours I put in, which I means income, right? <laughs> yeah, well, and to be, so back again to being just open to whatever the universe throws at you, right? You kind of said that you were, you know, thinking about what you were going to do next, and then you're at this party and run into this woman, and that opened up a whole new, you know, channel of options. I think that it's really important to just be open to opportunities, and when we communicate that, it's like opportunities happen, right? I hear people all the time say, you know, I've just started thinking about doing a private practice, and all of a sudden, like, three patients asked me in one day if, if I had a practice and people are like, what? That's crazy. But that's the kind of thing that starts to happen. It's like things, once you put out intentions, I believe anyway, once you start to put out intentions of what you want, it's like they start to happen, right? And you have to just be open to, to opportunities and say yes as long as you think that it's a good opportunity to take, you know, sometimes we say yes and then we figure out how to do it afterward. But if we, if we say no to too many things, then more stuff won't come our way. Well, I completely agree. And just this past week I had opportunity. Well, I always tell people this too, is that tell everybody under the moon that this is what you're doing. It could be pastor at church. It could be your doctor. It could be your dentist. Just let them know. I don't care how ashamed you are that you're plugging yourself. Just let them know that's what you're doing. Do I have a business card? No. And Jen, you and I would like my Facebook post was I did this backwards. I don't have a business card. What I have is me. Yeah. 
And I, I'm a social person. My husband will say that firsthand. He's like, I lose you at a party because you just do, 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 talking to people. But I think that that has, not that you have to be a very social person, but it's been my strength because I talk to people no matter what. Like we are on a flight somewhere to visit my parents in Toronto and I'll strike up a conversation with whoever. Um, my husband's like, why again? <laughs> um, but I do, you just never know. Like right, um, another opportunity came my way this week, which is a wonderful local counselor um, with tons of experience uh, working capital school, opened up a 14-acre farm, and she's treating kids with trauma, autism, ADHD, and our paths have crossed, and we're now talking of perhaps doing something together uh, for that demographic. So I once again said yes, and I will just figure out the steps as we go. It, it will work. It will work. <laughs> It, and think of what you know how that will enrich you and you never know like where any of this stuff is going to lead right right now you you said earlier in our interview that you've been very open to not having a niche and just you know kind of going where the wind takes you a little bit and i think i think that's great because it also kind of shows that you're open to other opportunities and again maybe it'll be more diagnostics or maybe it'll be you know, who knows what at this farm, but I think that that's very exciting to just think about possibilities and opportunities and letting, you know, the universe decide where, or, or give you opportunities for you to say yes to. Yeah. And that's what I would encourage everybody to think about too. It's like, you can say yes, you can say yes, but you can say no, because you're in power as a private practitioner, you are in power. And that's what I love about it. And my husband always reminds me of that. It's like, you know, you can say no. <laughs> But you could also say yes. <laughs> well, before we sign off, is, is there any other either advice or lessons learned or anything that you would like to share with the listeners that we haven't gotten to yet? Uh, I would say in private practice, just be ready for anything. People might like you, people might not like you. Um, the hardest thing about being in private practice for myself, uh, I would say I've grown a really good backbone mm -hmm. and I'm not afraid of having conversations with parents that might be a little uncomfortable mm -hmm. um, and I would say that's my strength but it backfires too I mean I've had parents who are like well I felt like you were judging my parenting and but you know you have to realize that being in private practice you don't have a protected uh, so much to protect you you don't have a director that they can call you know you are the CEO the director and you wear all those hats and um, it's, it's easy to, to get stressed out in that situation. And what I have to say is, it's okay. At the end of the day, if you do not feel comfortable working with a particular client or it just does not become like the right healthy uh, relationship, it's okay in private practice to say, you know what? I might have to refer you out to somebody else. Luckily, I have not had that happen to me, and but I've had uncomfortable conversations. And I think as a private practitioners, we have to be ready for that or just know that it's going to happen at some point and not to be afraid. I can honestly tell you, I have that group of speech pathologists I know where we will vent. And it's good to have those friends where you don't name names, you just say, I had a week. <laughs> and I think your Facebook page, Jenna, has been a godsend. That I, you know, without even mentioning all the books, I would say I've learned a lot. I thank you for creating this community for all of us who are aspiring or 
are just starting or I mean you have a lot of like seasoned private mm -hmm. um, practice owners over there too so I've just learned so much and it's been such an enriching and encouraging community and that's why I want to kind of leave everybody off with it's just no matter what it's going to happen it just you know sometimes it might be ugly but you you know there will be a light at the end of the, the tunnel so keep on plugging away <laughs> yeah, keep on plugging away. So, so thank you. And for, for anyone who's listening to this who maybe is not a member of the group, if you go to Facebook, we've got a very vibrant, right now we've got 14,000, approaching 15,000 SLPs in this group. It's called the SLP Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. And just request to join, I'll let you in. And, you know, just like, you know, like you said, there are just, there are a wide range of people in that group from total beginners who are just like vaguely curious up to seasoned SLPs who have been in private practice for a really long time, who are just giving so much information. It's a, it's a wonderful group and I encourage everybody to join. Nice. And that's where we, <laughs> Now we're talking about books, because like besides books, join a local group. Join you 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 need a support group. You need to. You're not in this on your own. Yeah. No way. Like you need you need somebody as your um as like a soundboard, as yeah. my husband was a musician would say, right? You need a soundboard. <laughs> Well, I can't thank you enough for being a soundboard for all of us today and of sharing your story and, you know, both, you know, ups and downs and everything in between and how you balanced your life as a mom and a private practitioner and became open to possibilities for where this could go. And I'm just so excited for you and, and proud of you. And I can't wait to see what happens um, over the next six months or year. And hopefully we can keep in touch and you can let me know um, how you're doing. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for this opportunity to be on the podcast. I have to say that um, my armpits are probably sweaty. Um, <laughs> I, um, you know, as, as much as I'm a social person, it, it's been on my mind a lot today. I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to say? But um, it's nice. It's, 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 Thank you. Like I feel, I feel even even more encouraged to you know go into my private practice tomorrow morning and see my clients, um, having done this interview because it's it's really nice to have somebody to talk to who who's uh, in the same sidelines as I am. Yeah. Because I think my husband's really tired of listening to me at this point. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he loves it. I'm sure he loves it. But you know, I think that um, that's that's why I do this podcast is for regular to to highlight that there's so many different kinds of private practitioners out there and the people who have come on this podcast are so wonderfully giving of their time and of their story you know we've done how many episodes have i've done i bet you're going to be about number 36 or 37 and just every single person who's come on has given so much helpful information and um everyone says it's not that bad. Like it was fun. And we were able to, to share your story. So anyway, so for also anyone else who wants to, to be on the podcast, send me an email. I would love to have more people on this podcast, sharing their stories and showing people that there is no one way to have a private practice. And there's no such thing as a perfect private practice, only one that's perfect for you. I couldn't have said that better myself. <laughs> Thank you, Jenna. You're welcome. All right. Well, have a great night. You too. Okay. Bye. Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? 
most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned and I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms and your own time and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com, click start or grow, and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.